Welcome to the Property Management Law Solutions Podcast. Your host, attorney Tim Baldwin, will guide you in all things property management, law, markets, politics, and commentary. Your property is his priority. Here's your host, attorney Tim Baldwin. Hello, everyone. This is Tim Baldwin, your host of Property Management Law Solutions Podcast. Glad to be here on the new year of 2022. We're going to talk today about just organization in general for property managers. Uh, I have helped a lot of property managers with this particular area because when you start a business and you, you know, you study to get your license and you jump into uh, property management, if, if you're a real estate broker or a real estate agent and you jump into this area, you know, there's not a lot of resources out there to help property management specifically. There's a lot of focus on sales. There's a lot of resources for sales. Most real estate agents probably start out in sales and then eventually they may switch over to property management. Uh, so there's just not a lot of resources. There are, and there's, uh, you know, some associations out there that that try to help and give resources uh, to help uh, property managers, but there's not a comprehensive uh, one source to go to that really gives you a very comprehensive um, overview on process, procedure, the areas of property management that you need to incorporate into your business model. So uh, the truth is there's there's a host of things. I mean, it, it's almost an endless amount of uh, information that you can um, focus on, that you can delve into. I mean, there's a lot of areas of property management, but there's some that are crucial for a property manager to be good at what they do. And brokers need to provide resources for their employees or for their agents to to be good at what they do, to provide a good service to the landlords and really considering the tenants as well to give them a good experience and to avoid problems, uh, liability, all these sorts of things. So I want to just run through some pretty crucial topics. Um, I may not get through all of them. I may have to break this up into different segments, but I want you to think about these things um, as a property manager and, and actually start formulating your process and procedure uh, around these topics. Just kicking it off here. The first thing is identify what your fixed events are in the, in the process. There's some things that don't change with each property every month. An example is the rent is due on the first day of the month. The late fee date occurs on, let's say, the fifth day of the month. Disbursements to the owners have to be made on the 15th day of the month, so on and so forth. Those are fixed events. You want to fix your calendar to look at those events every month without exception. That'll help you to avoid any 
things slipping through the cracks and missing something. So identify your fixed events and form your calendar around that. The next thing I would say is look at your trigger events. I call them trigger events, things that happen because there is some event that happened or some, some, uh, some occurrence, and then you follow through with a process. So an example may be that the tenant has requested a repair for something. So that's uh, a request came in. It triggers a procedure. So identify your trigger events uh, that are common in the practice and then formulate your process and procedure based on if that thing happens, here is my process. And then use your checks in the process to make sure that you have followed through uh, to completion on those items. The next topic is communication. You want to have certain principles that everybody communicates uh, using those principles in mind. It will avoid you know, unnecessary conflict. It'll make sure you're accurate. It'll keep track of what's being said. Um, it'll avoid making statements concerning liability. And this is one thing that I think that a lot of people don't really think about, but sometimes you'll have a, an employee or even a broker that, you know, they're really concerned about customer service and satisfaction, which is great and wonderful, but they'll say things that's over the top and they'll, they'll say things that's not accurate for the sake of trying to appear humble or trying to appease someone who may be upset about something. So they go over the top with their statements about, well, we shouldn't have done this or we were wrong. Well, may not that may not be true. You may not have been wrong. There just may have been a miscommunication. There may have been an, an expectation that wasn't established. And so you're making these statements, and what it's really doing is it's putting in the mind of the tenant or, or the owner uh, some kind of a, a legal liability that, that all of a sudden you're financially responsible for them or, you know, you are – obligated to to make concessions that really you're not required to do. So, you know, the employees and, and agents just need to be trained that you just don't make statements that are inaccurate, that are over the top, that are exaggerating, that are made just for the sake of appeasing an emotional situation. You know, be accurate. Don't make statements um, admitting something that really you're, there's nothing to admit. You're just, you're trying to resolve something. So teach them about resolving problems without making these over-the-top um, exaggerative statements. That'll really just help. First of all, it's professional to do it that way. The tenants and the owners will understand that you know what you're doing and you know how to get it done, but it needs to be communicated properly. So anyway, communication is just a, such a big part of this business because we're dealing with people all the time. Uh, the next thing is to identify your basic functions. Like, go through the process. What's our basic basic functions? And you're looking at your PMA, of course, your property management agreement. You have to understand what's in there. Uh, you have to understand the laws. You have to understand, um, you know, the process and procedures that relate to both of those. So, identify your basic process. So, collecting rent, dispersing rent, paying vendors, inspecting the property. Uh, and what things you don't do, you know, you're not a roof inspector, you're not a home appraiser, you're not a contractor, you're not an attorney, like identifying the things that you don't do and, and ensuring that the owners know, here's the basic expectations of what we do. Uh, the next thing that you should 
um, the topic you should be looking at is uh, your software program. So I'm sure a lot of you use software to manage your properties. And so you want to ensure that you're using the software program that you that fits your business. And I got to tell you, I've seen a number of them out there and there are a number of them out there. And, you know, they're not there. There's a there's a lot of them that are similar. They're not all exactly the same. And they really uh, don't necessarily function the way maybe you want your business to function. And that that's something maybe you just have to live with. So where it doesn't function where you need it to, you have to fill in the gap somehow on your own and figure out how, how do we keep track of information or calendaring or whatever if the software program doesn't actually do that. So, you know, sometimes there's just the good old-fashioned way of, like, having a piece of paper in front of you to ensure that you're doing things correctly and that your staff is staying on top of things uh, if the software program doesn't do that. So, uh, but in any event, your employees and agents just need to be trained on that and make sure they know how to use the software program fully, keeping notes of communication, tracking emails, um, you know, trying to put uh, evidence like pictures and videos uh, in the profile of the property, so on and so forth. Like try to fully use it because if there ever comes a conflict on the property and you need to go back and see the history of the property, what's actually has been done, then having all that in one place in the software is is a great thing. Uh, The next thing is I would say that you need to um, establish your owner application process. So maybe some of you don't just take any property that may um, that an owner may want you to manage. And so you have to have some kind of a process for owners to apply with you. And so establish that process. I would recommend that you uh, just create sort of a questionnaire that you would like the owners to fill out with information that you would like to know about the property. You know, and has it been managed before? Um, do you have any tenants currently in the property? Uh, is there an uh, insurance claim currently on the property? Is there roof damage? I mean, just there's a number of questions that you want answered from the owner before you just commit to um, managing the property. So come up with that process for the owner to apply with you. You can review it. If you, uh, similar to a tenant application, once they meet your criteria, you can uh, enter into a PMA with the owner and um, onboard their property. And that brings me to the next point is the onboarding process. So property managers do this differently. Some just jump right in. They'll, they'll, they'll sign the PMA. Um, you know, other, others of you may want to see the property first before you actually sign a PMA. Um, you know, there's pluses and minuses to both of those types of situations, but you need a, an onboarding inspection process. So looking at the property, identifying um, features so that you know you know how to list the property, any p- potential problems that you need to address before a tenant moves in, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, there there needs to be a proper protocol for how your agents bring on these new properties. Uh, the next thing is making sure that your agents or your brokers, of course. Um, you know, do a comparative market analysis on the properties to ensure that you're listing the property for for the right price and that 
the also that the um really that the owner sort of understands that you know you want to try to get get the highest rent you can uh but at the same time you don't want it sitting too long because when you start doing the math it may be better to list it a little bit less uh but get it rented sooner so um just making sure that you are uh, aware of the factors that go into that uh and then once once you find your uh rent price and you want to list it listing the property Again, the process there uh, is this should be it's the same essentially for for every listing you have, but the features, uh, the location, the price, um, and also the disclaimer language. Like you want to make sure that you put in to each listing uh, certain disclaimer language so that if your listing uh, is a maybe a little bit different or potentially even conflicts with the actual property that some you know that the tenant doesn't somehow um you know go through you know sign the lease and then some months say oh this is different than what you listed and so i want to get out so you need to have a disclaimer language about um you know the listings may not necessarily accurately reflect the condition of the property they have the right to inspect they can go look at it um or they can choose to waive that right and just take it as is uh, but you know, even with the disclaimer language, you obviously you still want to try to be as accurate as you can. Some things change on the property over time. Like for an example, if a, if a storm comes through, knocks down a fence or a shed, or or just it it changes the property in some way. Or if you know um, you, you've done some remodeling and just things aren't exactly the same way. You know, your listing may be old, and so if it's not updated, you know someone's going to look at it and it's not complete, completely accurate. So you want to make sure that once you're relisting the property, that it's um, that it accurately reflects the condition of the property. That'll just avoid future problems. Uh, the next thing I would say uh, on the list of, of topics you need to establish your process for um, is uh, showing the property. You know, there's technology out there that's changing the way this is done. Some people don't even go to the property anymore and look at it. They they look at it online. Um, you know, through apps or websites or whatever. Uh, so, you know, tenant, the way the tenants look at them is different. Some of them are just renting them without even looking at them, depending on the market. And then, of course, the way the property manager shows them is changing as well. Some have it on, you know, lock boxes that you can physically go out there and get the key or they're on automated, um, you know, using an app. Or they go out there and, and, and actually physically show the property. So, Whatever your process is, uh, there needs to be a protocol for that. There needs to be uh, an agreement that if a tenant, a potential tenant goes out and looks at their property, they're agree- agreeing to certain terms and conditions. Um, it's, you know, if they're picking up keys to bring them back by a certain time, uh, not making copies, not letting anyone else in, uh, setting a time frame for their ability to look at the property. So you're not giving them this open, do- uh, open door without, without limitations. You, you set the parameters of the showing. So, you know, this, these are just things that, y- y- you know, you don't know who's going to go to these properties. Um, and so there's always a potential for someone to just do something that's, um, you know, illegal or whatever, but it helps to protect the owner and you in the event there's a person you're dealing with that just doesn't want to, you know, follow rules, so to speak. So come up with your process there and your protocols there. And then the next uh, step uh, from that is your application process with tenants. So 
again, there's a, there's a process that should happen every time. Uh, once you've listed it and you start receiving applications, how does your agent or your employee begin to process that? So you, you, you know, you have your tenant selection criteria, you have, um, you know, what are those first, it's, you know, establishing that. And then, uh, what is the time frame that your employees should be doing these things, running the background check, uh, the, the payment for the processing of the application and the background check. Um, what is that? What, what is the deadline that you should be getting back to the tenants? How many applicants are you wanting to see before you accept, um, you know, the, the whoever's qualified? Uh, so anyway, there's, there's these priorities, processes um, that you want to identify within that process to make sure that your employees are doing the same thing every time. Um, and so that there is a clear objective um, process to qualify tenants for the lease. And then we have, of course, the tenant selection criteria. In, in Florida, you know, you see a lot of the same sort of tenant selection criteria. Uh, as the business has become more professional and refined and, and, and educated um, in the law and in, in good practices, you see a lot of the same tenant selection criteria, whether it be single family management or multifamily management, you know. So finding resources for tenant selection criteria is uh, not difficult to do. The next topic I would say is uh, something you need to establish your process for is your is the lease agreement. Once you've selected and you've qualified the tenant that you've chosen um, to rent the property, then there is a process for the lease agreement to be prepared, uh, submitted to the tenant, signed by the tenant, and, and sent back to you. And just a highlight on this is that once you've qualified your tenant, or applicant, should I say, there? the next step really should be that you have offered a lease to that applicant. There's You don't automatically create a tenancy just because they've qualified. There's another step. You've got to make an offer to the tenant or to the applicant, and they've got to accept the offer. Otherwise, you run into problems. So when you submit an email or communication to the applicant, it's an offer to lease. They've got to satisfy the conditions before they be become a tenant. And the important thing, couple important things there is signing the lease and paying the money that's required up front. Those are two obvious and, and important conditions that they need to comply with and, and they have to do so within a certain time frame. So they're not just, you know, they don't have days and days to do this. You've, you've set the time date for them to sign and pay. And if they don't, your offer is revoked and you can choose the next best qualified tenant. So again, the process there, you just identify each step of that. But the really important part is just making sure that your offer to lease is clearly stated in your, in your communication that you check the deadline that you've given them and that if they don't comply with the conditions, you terminate the offer if you so choose, or you can give them another, you know, hey, hey, you didn't sign it, you didn't pay, we're going to give you by the end of the day. And if, But if you don't do it by the end of the day, 
we're revoking our offer. That kind of thing would be very important in the lease agreement um, part of this. And then, and then if they comply with the conditions, they sign, they pay timely, you know, they become tenants. The next thing that you need to check into is the move in follow-up procedure. So you may have conditions in your lease about their turning on utilities uh, in their name or putting utilities in their name. Um, you know, are they, have they made copies of keys? Um, have they given codes to anybody uh, that you need to know about? Um, you know, what's, what's the condition of the property once they've moved in, if they may have any problems or issues that they want to communicate with you. So identifying each of the items in the immediate move in process and I'm really also making sure they've moved in. I mean, sometimes uh, you may assume they've moved in, but you find out weeks later they never moved in, and that causes a problem. Uh, or the lease requires that they actually occupy the property, or maybe they moved someone else in there and it wasn't even the applicants. So having that initial follow-up after the move-in is, is really crucially important. Important. So just come up with your procedures step-by-step. Here are the things to be addressed, and your, your staff and your agents can follow that process at the time. Moving on to the next uh, set of uh, situations where you need to have a process in place is uh, your tenancy alterations situation. So through the lease, um, through the lease term, you may have situations where the tenant wants to alter the lease. Uh, typical scenarios are they want to add a tenant or they uh, want to add an animal or they want to remove a tenant or they want to um, move out early. Those are real common um, situations. So once the request comes in to um, change the lease, essentially alter the lease terms, then you need to have a process in place for your agents and employees to know, okay, here's, here's what we need to need to do. Uh, if it's a pet request, then we need to submit this email. It has this information. It has this pet application that they've got to fill out. Uh, they got to submit it back to, or they got to pay the pet application fee, or they got to pay a deposit. So, in each of those situ- common situations, uh, you're you, there are very consistent and 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 routine um, steps that would apply for each of those scenarios. So identify the scenarios and then identify what are the steps that I should take for each of those tenant alteration requests. Uh, there may be times as well where um, potentially, like if something happens where um, potentially the owner may be in violation of the lease, and, and maybe that commonly would be there's a maintenance issue that they just can't resolve and so it diminishes the value of the property, the rent value, uh, especially if the lease guarantees it or if it's a statutory obligation. And so in those scenarios, there might be an alteration of the lease that could be um, proper as well. And so just identify, okay, what's the issue? You know, Does the tenant want to termi- terminate the lease? Do we want to terminate the lease? Or do we want the tenant to stay? And if we want the tenant to stay, you know, what are the uh, alterations of conditions that we want to offer, you know, basically to resolve this? So anyway, those are just kind of things that you have to take on as you see them. And you might need uh, legal advice from time to time on on certain issues that are um, either out of the ordinary or are bigger issues because they may involve 
a lease termination or what have you. All right. So moving on to the next, I'm looking at my list here. I'm just trying to see if it's possible to get through this. Um, yeah, we're approaching 30 minutes on this. I'm thinking what we'll do is just continue this on the next podcast. Uh, continue the topics. I have uh, several more. Um, the next one I want to get to when you come back on the next episode is uh, notices as it relates to three-day notices, seven-day notices, uh, notices to terminate the lease, etc. So that'll be the next uh, topic that we're looking at. But um, but the point of this podcast and, and the ones that follow on this particular um, topic is just process and procedure are so important in this business because most of everything you do is has a process. It's should be routine enough and it should be predictable enough to where you know what your steps are. So you're not caught off guard. Your employees know how to handle these things. It gives them confidence of knowing what they're doing. It, um, it provides the broker with a safety net to make sure that, you know, things aren't slipping through the cracks when you're not there. Uh, Cause most of the time, you know, brokers aren't the ones who are doing the day to day. It's the agents, it's the employees. So, but the brokers are the ones responsible for their actions. So brokers need to know what all the procedures are. What are all the topics? What are all of the events that occur in property management? So these things are crucially important to me. I think it's one of the big things that's missing in the property management business and uh, in, in practices is, is just proper uh, predictable protocol procedure process for every situation that arises. And it's clear, certain, and it's actually typed out for your employees and your staff. Everybody knows this is how we do it. So um, anyway, more on that to come on the next episode. And, um, it's been a little while since I've been on this, been super busy, and then the holidays came, and then, um, you know, just a lot of things going on. But we're back and uh, excited about, you know, this year and all the things to come. Hope you guys had a great um, holiday season, and we will see you on the next episode of Property Management Law Solutions Podcast.